Hey everyone, welcome or welcome back to the Brave Church Podcast, and thanks for listening. At the end of this talk, please take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Facebook or Instagram, where you can get even more connected to what's going on in our community. But most importantly, we hope the following talk inspires you to take your next step in finding or following Jesus. Okay, so today we are continuing our vision series. It's personal. Uh, This year, our vision falls into three categories of focus. Our youth, our families, and our community. And these three categories do not represent all that we will do or everything that we'll accomplish next year, but they're central to our focus as God's put it on our heart to accomplish these things together. And so we'll talk more about those at the end of our gathering. But each week we're teaching on the vision focuses uh, from our kickoff on Vision Sunday. So last weekend, Pastor Samuel kicked us off with our youth, and we looked at God's purpose for our season of youth. And so today, in week three, we're going to focus in on our families. Now, family is an emotional word. Uh, It doesn't get any more personal than family. What was your family like growing up? When it comes to family, man, our experiences are so diverse. What was great, what was not so great. You know, maybe your mom or dad was absent, or maybe they were very much involved, kind of like a helicopter mom or dad, and they were like everywhere, you know. Um, but looking back on it, you realize how much they really loved you and cared for you. Or maybe you had a big family, or maybe you were the, uh, you had a lot of brothers and sisters, or maybe you were the only child in your family. Uh, maybe your parents were just great together, incredible models for you. Or maybe your parents went through a difficult season that ended in divorce at a certain age that really uh, hurt your heart. Yeah, maybe you know what it's like growing up to have family envy. You know, you, you can't help but compare yourself to other families. You know, man, you know, your dad is way more fun than my dad, or your mom is a way better cook. Can I go to your house for dinner, you know? Or I wish my family was like your family because they get to eat waffles for dinner, right? So you want to be part of their family. I remember many years ago, our youngest son, Isaac, Uh, He was really small, and we were arriving on vacation at our hotel. We're getting ready to see it for the first time, and I, either I or Tracy had given him one of our cell phones, because he didn't own a cell phone at that time, so they could call Grandma and tell her, you know, we arrived safely at our vacation hotel. And so we're walking to this hotel, and it had a humongous lobby. It was was amazing. And so Isaac's on the phone. He's looking around with this big wonder in his eyes, you know, and he's talking to Grandma, and he's just bursting and brimming with excitement. And he goes, Grandma, and he's trying to describe it to her. He goes, Grandma, this hotel we're staying at, it's bigger than Dad. (laughs) When you're a child, uh, your father is really big. And when we become a new Christian, Father God is really big and remains really big in our lives. And one of the things that tends to happen when you become a parent is you begin to realize just how truly big God's heart really is for you because you can feel it in a similar way about your own children. And I assume that that you're all good parents here and that you desire, you know, that I think every parent desires to be a great mom or a great dad. 
But the truth is, is that few of us received any kind of training before we became a parent. You know, most people parent by, uh, you take all of the good attributes of something that you saw in your mom or dad that you really liked and you want to apply those onto your kids and then you just try to avoid all the negative things that you didn't like. And that's basically most people's parenting plan. In other words, at the end of the day, you're kind of just doing whatever feels right to you or wrong. And so no wonder we have all these varying results when it comes to raising kids, not to mention that, wow, every child is so different. And raising a child is, is one of the greatest callings that there is on the planet. It's a calling, but it's also a challenge. And so all of us here have had different experiences when it comes to our family. Isn't that true? Uh, maybe you're not a parent. Uh, maybe you're really glad that you're not a parent. I understand that too. But doing family well is something that we can all relate to, that we want to do that well. And so regardless of your personal experience, when it comes to family, for those of us that are all followers of Jesus, well, we have something in common that's very special. You see, sharing our belief in uh, in Jesus and what he's done for us, sharing our relationship with God, well, that bonds us all in a deeper way. And maybe you've experienced this at Brave. You know, when you started out uh, to care about and to, and, and to get connected here at Brave and get involved in Fast Track and home churches and linger a little longer in the lobby or invite somebody out, you start to develop relationships here that are really special. And some people will even hear them say, you know what, I feel closer to my church family than my own family. And we understand that. And this church family is family. And it's one of those things that when you give your heart where your heart is, everything's there to you and you begin to develop deeper relationships because you want to. That's a beautiful thing. So write this down. Uh, Write this in your notes. The church is a family. And if you didn't get notes on the way in, just raise your hand and the ushers are along the side. They'll get those to you. But the church is a family. So today we're going to talk about families and it's personal. But we're, we're also talking about the church, because we as a church, we are a family. So to do family well and to do church well, we need to know how God views the family. What is a family for? I mean, why do we have families? God created families. They were his idea. And we see a lot of times that I think that we focus on the family as something that we are to give our love and attention to. And that's great. But it's just as important that we have a picture of what God wants to do through our family. And let me just get a little preachy here for just a minute, you know, because I'm kind of feeling it, right? God, God didn't just, just give you a family for you and your family, There are really important things that God wants to do through your family that are way bigger that he wants to accomplish through your family that you cannot accomplish on your own. And so your family is a really big deal, your blood family and your church family. So in Genesis chapter 12, there's a story about one of the famous families in the Bible. Uh, They weren't the first family, but they were really close because through this family, God impacted all of humanity. The husband's name was Abram. Later, he's renamed Abraham. And the wife's name is Sarai. And later, she's renamed Sarah. 
Now, their story is actually quite long. So if you haven't read it, I encourage you to go to Genesis and pick that up. It's a, it's a great story. But today, we're going to focus on the first part of the story where God speaks and literally gives their family direction, a direction that would end up guiding them for the rest of their lives as a family. It would shape their view of why they're on earth, and it would impact other families. It's amazing. And their relationship to their world and to where they live. And so imagine this. Imagine God speaking directly to your family. What would he want to say to you today? So let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we ask you to speak to each and every one of us about our families. And Lord, I recognize that we come from all different kinds of families. They're very diverse. Some are very broken, very stressed, very fractured. Some are wonderful and incredible, but no matter who we are, there's a purpose that you have in our families. And so I just pray that you would speak to us about our families and your will in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bible, uh, you can turn to Genesis chapter 12 and you can follow along there or you can follow along on the screen or there in your program notes, but I'm going to pick up in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. Verse 2, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out. For those that are new to the faith or checking things out, the passage that we just read is from the first book of the Bible, Genesis, and it's a chapter that begins a whole new section of that book. It's where we first meet this great and godly man named Abraham, because Grandpa Abraham is such a significant figure in our family of faith, we want to give you a little bit of background. Nearly one-fourth of the entire book of Genesis is about this man's life. Over 40 Old Testament references are made to Abraham. It's interesting as well that Islam holds Abraham second in importance to Muhammad and that the Quran refers to Abraham 188 times. In our New Testament, there are nearly 75 different references to him. Why? He is described as the finest example of what it means to live out your faith every day. Do you want to be known for your faith? As we explore this passage, keep in mind that Abraham is God's example of someone who lived out his faith. And because he lived out his faith, he led his family to live out their faith. In verse 1, God told Abram exactly what he wanted his family to do. It says, go from your country, your people, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And then he goes into this list of all the things that God promises to do if you're willing to follow me wholeheartedly. He said, from this point on, every family that follows Jesus is a part of this blessing that God gave to Abraham that he gives to us. And so understanding our family starts with understanding Abraham's family. So I want to give you three lessons from Abraham's family. Number one, you can write this down. Every family 
has a place. There was a land or a place that God was calling Abram to go to. But going to this land meant leaving his current home. And at this time, Abram lived in a place that was called Ur. Now, we know this because later in the New Testament, there's, there's an early Christian by the name of Stephen that actually recounts Abraham's story, and he tells us that Abram came from Ur. Now, Ur was an amazing place. Like, some of you come from places, you go, I am so glad I got out of there, right? You know, like so living somewhere on I-5 or Manteca or something like that. You're like, oh, I'm so glad I'm over here, right? Okay, so it, some places you leave and it's no big deal, like no sacrifice. But Ur wasn't that place. Ur was amazing. It was a great metropolis. It had highly skilled people. It had the most advanced technology of its day. And it's safe to say that Ur was not a godly place at all. So the fact that Abram had a relationship with God and that God could speak to him and that he could hear God's voice meant that Abram's father raised him differently and that God had special plans for Abram's life. He was worshiping Yahweh, the only true God, above all the other pagan gods of the land and earth. And so when God speaks to Abram and calls him, he goes to a place that he knew nothing about. He was basically telling him, I want you to exchange your high-rise townhouse for a tent. The place that God was calling him to. I want you to leave all of the amenities, the lifestyle that you've really enjoyed where you're at. In one sense, I want to call you to a new place. And he said, I want to be very specific have you ever had God, you felt like God really just spoke to you very specifically about something, and then you walked away later and go, really? wait a minute, that, what? What am I to do now? Abram was given very specific detail. I want you to leave behind. I want you to leave behind your family, your country, your comfort, what you know, and I want you to leave all of your friends. He had to leave Everything that his family had built up over the years, all of their homes, their property, their possessions. And in leaving this, he was literally forfeiting his entire inheritance to walk away. Why was God calling Abram to leave so much? Because God was going to make a new nation, a new family out of Abram that would be motivated differently in this life on this planet. He wasn't just going to fix a nation or tweak a nation. He was going to create a whole new culture, a whole new religion, a whole new way of following God that was very different from the culture that he existed in. And he was going to be part of God's plan to do with his people, Israel. Now, this is very specific, but on the other hand, God is vague in his calling. He says this, go to the land which I will show you. Abram didn't even know where he was going to settle. As the writer of Hebrews puts it, he says this, he went out not knowing where he was going. Anybody relate to that? The story of Abram actually makes a lot more sense in the light of the story right before it. You see, this is Genesis 12 that we're in. But in Genesis chapter 11, there's an incredible famous story called the Tower of Babel. In Babel, the people were exactly the opposite of Abraham. You see, God had told them, I want you to disperse and multiply, and I want you to populate the earth. Instead, they said, hey, let's stay home. 
Let's keep our families home. Let's stay secure. Let's stay comfortable right where we're at. Not only that, let's build something together. Like let's do something in our own strength and our own ability and let's create this incredible tower together that's going to go all the way to the heavens, you know? It's kind of like when I was growing up, I had this family that, that were really dear friends of ours. He goes, they had a vision like, let's buy 15 acres and all the family create a court and everybody could have their own houses and we'll all live together and have a gated community. Who doesn't want that? That sounds great. I still would like that, wouldn't you? That sounds wonderful. That's not bad. But in this sense, they wanted something more. Now listen very carefully. They sought the blessing that they could earn by their own work rather than the promises of God. The command of God to Abram was the opposite of what the people of Babel were attempting to do in their very own strength. And by trusting and obeying in God, to be willing to go to a place that God calls you, it meant that Abram would be completely dependent on God, that he would see God as his source of provision and his future for he and his family. Great families put being where God calls them to be over everything else. They're living by a different code, a different sense of value that God, I recognize that you've called my family and we want to be obedient to what you're calling us to do. Now I want to show you a short film about a family in our church and how they followed God in their faith. Uh, My name is Dean. And I'm Helen. Uh, we've been living here in the US since uh, 2011. That's about three and a half years. God moved us over to the US, partly through my work, through my job. I was um, over in the US in uh, March 2011, and uh, I had this opportunity given to me that I wouldn't normally have. Uh, it, was just, it was just a God thing and a God moment. And at the same time as I had this offer, uh, God spoke to Helen about, my, uh, about us moving to the US. I had been praying um, after, just before I went to bed, and I just felt God to say clearly to me, Dean's going to be offered a new job, but it means moving to California. So we knew that God had a sort of plan for the family, um, and then it was just really his provision for the next six months, so until we moved here. Yeah, we learned a new type of reliance, and we really learned during that time uh, just to put everything and give everything to him, and he took care of it. He took care of everything. Uh, that we needed to uh, uh, to get us to the US. So we moved here in the October, first of October 2011, and we found out a week before I came over that we were expecting our third child. So we were a new country, new healthcare system, new education <laughs> system for our older two girls, um, and God provided friendships almost immediately, um, which helped with that because uh, that was really difficult. But I knew God had brought us out here. I knew there was a purpose for us being here. I knew that it wasn't, didn't feel completely... Everything had settled except that. Yeah. He essentially said to us, just go, be uh, relaxed, be calm for a while. Don't get involved, don't do stuff. But I have a place for you. Um, I can't tell you where that is now, but wait till your, uh, your new daughter is six months. six months old and I will show you uh, where you are to be. And it was the, uh, the weekend of her six-month birthday. And uh, we uh, were at the, what was the pumpkin patch, yeah. We went to the pumpkin patch and 
we turned out there the wrong way, ended up coming southbound on San Juan Valley Boulevard and drove past a brand new sign and Helen and I both felt at the same time God prompted us to say, there's your church, that's where you're supposed to go. We both looked at each other and went, we're going there Sunday. Um, and we did. Um, and that's where we've been ever since. Yeah, I just knew the first Sunday we just knew that it was where God wanted us to be um, and he wanted us to serve there and effectively put our roots down um, for the first time really since being here, wasn't it? Yeah, it's all about build, building a family, building a community at the church, uh, making friends, uh, everything everything that we were looking for in the church and uh, sort of a Christian-like community. And... Amen. Dean is one of the elders in our church, and Dean and Helen together lead one of our home churches. Dean said that he felt like God said, I have a place for you, and I'll show you where you need to be. You see, we believe that God wants to lead and bless through your family, that you're not here by accident, that you know that you're in the right place because it's where God has brought you to for a purpose. And something, you know, some of us in getting here, we have all different kinds of stories of how we arrived here. Isn't that true? We can make videos of all of your lives of how God led you and what he brought you from to how he brought you here. But what matters most is what God is calling you to. God doesn't call us to comfort or status or wealth. That may be side blessings that he brings into our lives, but maybe you've left a lot from the place that you've came from. Maybe you left something that was very comfortable to you. Maybe around the holidays, it's like, man, all of my family lives wherever they live, and we're out here, and you feel a little bit isolated. And that's why our home churches and our community and relationships are so important together. But every family has a place. You're not here by accident. And then number two, every family has a people. It's not just a place. It's a place with a people. And this makes me think of Pastor Jim and Tara Cruz. They pastor our sister church, Atmosphere Church, that we help plant down in Thousand Oaks, California. You see, Jim and Tara and their family, they made a decision to leave their church in Las Vegas and to walk away from a 2,500-member church to start all over again in Thousand Oaks. A few weeks ago, I was down there speaking uh, for them at the church there, and we had dinner together. And uh, I, I asked them over dinner, I said, well, how's it going? And they said, you know, to be honest, we're really exhausted. It's been really hard to start all over. But if it wasn't for the people here, we couldn't do it. They're just gold. And I love that. They weren't talking about how much prettier Thousand Oaks and Malibu is to Vegas, which they could have. They were talking about the people, the people that they felt called to. On November 7th, a gunman walked into the borderline bar there in Thousand Oaks, killing 12 innocent people. And oddly enough, this incident occurred less than a quarter of a mile from where Atmosphere Church meets in a golf clubhouse across the street. What's bizarre about all of this is how uniquely equipped Pastor Jim and Tara are to minister to people in grief. You see, Pastor Jim was pastoring in Vegas when the worst mass shooting in U.S. history took place. And after recovering from all of that and ministering to the people that he loved there in Vegas, but feeling called to a new place and a new people, he was very uniquely prepared for this. 
And shortly thereafter, much of the area there, as we know, also then a fire came in and a lot of the area had to evacuate. So last Sunday, as they approached last Sunday, Jim thought, you know what, this Sunday coming up, uh, we need to gather more than any other Sunday. We, this is important that we gather as a community, but, but how do you, uh, how do we get them together? I mean, there, a lot of the area was being evacuated and so forth. They weren't allowed to meet in the, um, clubhouse that was being evacuated. And so Jim thought, well, I'll, I'll just use technology through video. I can communicate with everybody, but it just didn't work and every, everything got frustrated. And so one of the atmosphere church members uh, interrupted his frustration while he's trying to do this video and calls him and says, Hey, Jim, uh, the, I'm down at the corner here, right across from where our church normally meets. And they're setting up a memorial right now uh, for for the shooting for the victims and and uh, there's a group down here and I told them that our church normally meets right across the street and and they said well can you tell your pastor we're here and maybe they can come help us and so last Sunday the members of Atmosphere Church literally with smoke and fire in the background went out to the streets there to comfort families who had lost their children and their loved ones in the shooting. And Jim told me, he said, you know, we didn't know this, but at 2 a.m. the night before, do you remember when the Vegas shooting happened and then all these white crosses appeared? There was a man who made a white cross for every uh, life that was taken. Remember that? That same guy, unbeknownst to anybody else, arrives at 2 a.m. on Saturday night, last Saturday night, arrives and he has 12 white crosses that he puts out. And when the Families arrived that morning, they saw a white cross with the name of every child and every life that had been taken. Dozens of white, or a dozen white crosses. Within minutes, their church gathered, the families gathered there on the corner, and Jim says to everybody on this crowd on the corner was smoke and fire and just craziness going on, and he says, if you'd like to pray with us, just grab the hand of the person next to you. Well, the next thing you know, the crowd starts to do that and the circle gets bigger and bigger and bigger. They're taking over an entire corner and intersection. And in that intersection in downtown Thousand Oaks, Pastor Jim begins to pray for everybody. It was absolutely amazing. He said this, he said, it was at an intersection with strangers that we found each other and we found the love of God. Jim and Tara's family were willing to hear from God. They were willing to leave their place of comfort in Las Vegas. And only God knew what was before them and how he would use their family. Now, not everybody here is going to be called to a different place. That's not the point. The point is, though, is that we need to move in our faith. We need to be willing to hear how God does want to prompt us, how God does want to use our family, because every family has a place and every family has a people. And number three, every family has a purpose. God promises Abram and Sarai, if you're willing to follow me and hear my voice and obey me and do what I ask you to do, well, your family will be a blessing. Who doesn't want their family to be a blessing? And then God says, if your family follows me, I promise I'm going to do these three things for you. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And I will bless all the families of the earth through you. 
Now, we learn thousands of years later in the New Testament that God's intent was to bless all the families of the earth through Jesus Christ and his work on the cross. Jesus would become the savior of the world who came from the lineage of Abraham's family. The blessing of Jesus has already been accomplished. God's purpose for Abraham's family was more than he could have ever imagined. But God also has a purpose for our families. God has a purpose for every family to be a blessing to others. God's dream for you is to be a blessing. Be a blessing to others. It's not just about all that you can collect and all that you can keep and all that you can hoard. But God wants to bless other people through you. Did you know that we have a family in our church that is helping build an orphanage in India? That God spoke to them, we're going to build this orphanage, and that's what they're doing. And in addition to that now, they're building a school for orphans to be educated there. You may not have that kind of resource, or maybe you do. You may not be called to an international ministry. You may be called to an intersection here in town. Here's what I know. Whatever God's purposes are for you, like Abraham's family, it will require you to have faith. What does that mean? You'll have to be willing to be dependent on God to do something that you cannot accomplish in your own strength. Everything else is kind of the Tower of Babel. We live most of our lives accomplishing stuff in our own strength. What is faith? Hebrews 11, verse 1, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Faith moves your family to do God-sized things. And the pathway for your family and our church family is to be a blessings to others through faith because it takes faith to go if God calls us to go. It takes faith to do and it takes faith to give. Abraham saw, saw all that he had as a gift to be given to other people. And so he went to a place and he went to a people and he had a purpose. Last week, I heard of a young family in our church that are so beautiful and their names are Carlos and Alicia Simide. And I asked Alicia to share her story in her own words with us. And so I want to read uh, this family's story to you. Our desire to foster and adopt started with my own experience as a child when my parents made the decision to begin foster care. I was only seven at the time, but I fell in love with this cute, adorable five-month-old baby who would later become my brother. He had a horrible past, and the next three years of his life were so very difficult as my family fought hard to legally adopt him. Knowing what he came from and then seeing who he is today is hope that the cycle of hurt and pain can be broken with love and kindness. God used my brother to foster a love of babies and children in my own life. I continued to follow that passion in high school as a nanny, in college as a nursing assistant in the NICU, in Haiti and Guatemala working in orphanages, and in my own career as a postpartum nurse. Seeing how brokenness and suffering affect innocent children touched me. In Haiti and Guatemala, I, and even here in our own city, I just wanted to save them all. After we had our own three kids and lost two in the process, Carlos and I decided it was time to take a leap of faith 
and follow the path of foster care that God had laid on our hearts. My sister and brother-in-law lived in the area. They recently went through the foster-to-adopt process as well and adopted two beautiful babies from San Francisco. We decided to use the same agency that they used. The process began in 2017. My sister's process to adopt only took a matter of months. Ours would take a full year and a half. Through the whole process, I was very impatient. I was tempted to try adoption through other routes. And then, out of nowhere, three weeks ago, my sister called and said that my nephew and niece's biological mother had passed away following the delivery of twin girls. I knew my sister and brother-in-law couldn't take in any more children and already having two of their biological siblings. Right away, I thought, this is it. This is why God made us wait so long. My sister didn't even have to ask if we would take them in. Getting approved to take in the twins was an emotional process as well. We had to complete our home study in a matter of days, which normally would take two months. During the next week and a half, Carlos and I spent hours in the, in the ICU getting to know them without knowing for sure if we would even get them. The only reason we have custody of them now is because we were almost completely done with our foster care certification. Talk about a God thing. We are so blessed to have the twins now and praying we will be able to adopt them. In the end, we know we are living our purpose regardless of what happens. If they leave us, we want them to know we love them as much as we could. If we get to keep them, we want them to know we gave them 100% of us from the very beginning. Either way, we will always consider them ours. We are so in love. Alicia and Carlos, here's a picture of the twins. This is Kayla and Ezra. And here's a picture of their whole family together. And the twins are in that little thing, whatever that thing's called. I, I'm, I'm going to become a grandpa. I have no idea what that thing, thing is. And that, what a great family. You know, that's just one of the brave church family. I know that there are many stories out there. and I'm so proud of all of you. You know, when you start to tune in and listen for God's voice, he can lead you to do amazing things. Sometimes they're really simple, Right. And sometimes they're really grand. But every family has a place. Every family has a people. And every family has a purpose. And so we have a purpose together here at Brave because we're family. And God is doing amazing things through all of you and through your families. And he wants us to be a blessing to this community and beyond. And that's why Brave Church that's what we're all about. In a few minutes, Pastor Samuel is going to come and just give us an update on our vision for the next year. But first of all, I just want to pray a blessing over you and a blessing over your families. Would you bow your heads, please? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Amen. 
Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Bay Area, we would love for you to join us at a Sunday gathering in San Ramon. For directions, gathering times, or information about our Brave Kids program, visit us at brave.church. Also, if you want to help support what God is doing through Brave, you can give online to the Brave Foundation at brave.church forward slash foundation.